Welcome back, guys. It's good to be with you, my dear and beloved Danny Floist. It's good to be with you one time for the six times. I am, as far as I know, Danny Flo, your favorite or soon-to-be favorite podcast teacher. I started this podcast so I could teach you tings. Pause. Why do I say tings instead of things? That's a great question. Some of you might have picked up on that. Some of you don't care. Some of you may think it's funny. I hope some of you think it's funny. If you think it's funny, it's probably because it sounds funny, uh, because I purposely say it different. But why do I say it right? I got it from my wife, which she'll be really happy I'm admitting. It's an inside joke, or as Michael Scott said, I love inside jokes. I'd love to be part of one someday. Well, Michael Scott, if you're listening, today is your day because I'm about to explain my lovely wife and my inside joke to you all, my dear and beloved Danny Floist. Um, whenever my wife is pointing out something funny about something, she says tings. Like, for example, um, probably going to think of a really lame example and it's going to kill the joke but okay cool we live in Rockford which is about an hour and a half west of Chicago and we have really bad potholes if we were driving and we hit a pothole my wife would say hashtag Rockford tings or just Rockford tings or in Rockford we had a meeting right all the Rockfordians, and we were like, pajama pants, let us wear them in public. That'll be our thing that we do. So whenever we have to go out and we have to change our son, Chunky Butts, one of us will ask the other, should we just leave him in his pajamas? And the other one will say, Rockford Tings. Okay, cool. Unpause. Those who can't do, teach, as they say, and so I can't do philosophy, so I teach you things about philosophy. I can't do strength training, so I teach you things about strength training. I did get married and am a dad, but I'm not that good at it. So I teach you things about marriage and parenthood, mostly fatherhood, because I'm not a mom. I know a lot of moms and future moms. Moms are cool. Also, I'm Catholic, which I think is the best part about me. I believe everything the church teaches. In fact, one time I watched a debate between Sam Harris and William Lane Craig. Sam Harris is a neuroscientist and a philosopher. I googled that. William Lane Craig is a Protestant philosopher. I have that memorized any ways. They were debating whether there is a God or not, and Harris is an atheist and Craig is a Christian. There was a point in the debate Harris said something like, I'm sorry if I butcher if I butcher it, I don't want to misquote him, but the essence of the statement was something like, it's obviously not true that just by saying a few Latin words over a wafer, it turns into the body of Christ, which I can't remember why he brought that up. Craig isn't Catholic. And what he was dismissing is specifically Catholic. And yes, I do believe the host becomes the body of Christ 
after the words of consecration have been spoken over it by a validly ordained priest. I don't agree with how he described it. It was reductionistic. But if I didn't believe it was true, I would actually be an atheist like Harris. That's how important the Eucharist is. The Eucharist is what Catholics call the consecrated host that just looks like a wafer to everybody else. If I believed the church was wrong about the Eucharist, I've thought a lot about this recently, I wouldn't become Protestant like Craig, or Jewish, or Muslim, or Buddhist, or Hindu, or Confucian, or Taoist, or agnostic. I'd become atheist. It's all or nothing. The difference between Catholicism and every other religion and philosophy out there isn't just beliefs. It's that Catholicism claims God gave us a way to eat him so we can have a taste of what it's like to be with him in this life and hunger to be with him forever in the next. But much more on that in many episodes to come. All that to say, I'm not all that good at being a Catholic either, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and I teach you things about Catholicism. And you, my dear and beloved, Danny Floist, listen if you want to know. Okay, cool. When I dreamed of starting a podcast, I dreamed of having hair instead of looking like Caillou with a patchy beard, and I dreamed all of my podcasts would make sense and they would be systematic, and all of them would be connected, and it would be clear to everyone that they were connected, and you could all see my methodology, and it would be hella cool and awesome and the best. But instead, my first four episodes were all introducing you to the subjects I'm an armchair expert on, and then my fifth episode, I put everyone to sleep by defining arguing, and subjectivism, which are important, but if you struggle with insomnia, you are welcome because there's no way you listened to my last podcast and stayed awake. Okay, cool. What is this podcast going to be about? That's a great question. You know how I call you Danny Flois because in philosophy sometimes when you ascend to the teachings of a philosopher, the suffix ist is used, is So if you ascend to the teachings of Plato, you're a Platonist. Sometimes ian is used instead of ist, I-A-N. So if you ascend to the teachings of Aristotle, you're an Aristotelian. I thought Danny Floist sounds better than Danny Floian. And obviously I'm banking on the hope that some of you like the way I think. I'm critical of the way I think. Critical thinking is cool. We're a fan of critical thinking here on the Danny Flo podcast. I want to teach you critical thinking or teach critical thinking to you. And I want you to self-reflect on the way you think. My goal is to talk about things that'll provoke you to exercise critical thinking and provoke you to reflect on what it is you think and believe about the things I brought up. That's why I brought up arguing and subjectivism last week. After you listened, hopefully, you asked yourself, do I agree with Danny Flo's definition of arguing? What do I think arguing is? What about subjectivism? Did he describe that correctly? What do I think subjectivism is? Am I a subjectivist? Am I not? Those are the kinds of things I want you to ask yourself. But what about me? 
Am I a Danny Flowist? Am I a follower of my own thinking? I must think I'm onto something. Otherwise, why start a podcast with the goal of teaching people how to think? I was talking to my lovely wife about this. One of the reasons I want to do this podcast is because I've observed many people are missing the basics. I, at some point, obviously was missing the basics as well. What do I mean? That's a great question. We don't often realize when we say things, they have implications. We might not even be aware ourselves of what those implications are. So that's what I mean. I've become aware of some of the implications that are in the things I think and say. And I want to help you do that. And once you can do that, you start to see the implications in what other people are saying. We are never going to be mind readers. Um, and ascribing human motives is always going to be risky. But we can learn to notice what people might be implying when they say things. After last week, if you hear someone say things like, quote, my truth, unquote, or all of these are going to be in, in quotes, we can't know, or no one can know, or, you know, even that's just your opinion. It may mean they're a subjectivist. So I'm trying to teach you. Who is teaching me? That's a great question. And that is what this podcast is about. Where, as I hope some of you will become Danny Flois, I describe myself or self-identify as a sheenist or a sheen-ian. I've learned a lot about God and myself from a man named Fulton J. Sheen. Fulton Sheen is my intellectual hero and spiritual father. I don't even know where to begin to explain uh, explain him or why he is important to me. I'm no expert on Fulton Sheen. There's entire societies and organizations dedicated to promoting the life and work of Fulton Sheen. So whatever they say is more authoritative than what I have to say. I'm just some bald punk kid. Okay, cool. I guess I'll start by saying I was going to wait until his beatification to make an episode about him. However, his beatification has been postponed indefinitely, it seems. I'm not going to get into the details of that because I'll get angry. And when I'm angry, it's hard for me not to sin. I have a hard enough time not sinning. And I would describe my default mood as jovial. So I guess, what is beatification? That's a great question. Beatification is the penultimate step before canonization. Once beatified, the next step would be canonization. What's canonization? That's a great question. Canonization means it has been revealed to the church that a Catholic has been perfected by God's grace and is with God. They're a saint. Now, that doesn't mean that only those that are canonized are saints in heaven. To be a saint, you just have to be in heaven. But we don't know if a person is in heaven, so we pray for them. There are saints in heaven that we don't know about. Canonized saints are the ones we do know about, and the church has a rigorous process 
to determine that. Now, why would God want to reveal someone is in heaven? That's a great question. In my opinion, we are playing divine psychology, so I'm going to tread lightly. One reason, however, is only God is perfect, and only one person was perfect, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate. But he was perfect because he's a divine person, not just a human person. Now, Catholics are obliged to believe Mary was also perfect. But that was because, or is because, she received a special grace from God through the merits of Jesus Christ's life, passion, death, and resurrection. But what does that imply? It implies human persons can be perfected by God's grace. Whereas Mary was perfected at the beginning of her life, again, through the merits of Jesus Christ's life, passion, death, and resurrection, the rest of us are perfected by the end of our life, by the grace of God, or maybe not by the end of our life, but um, we're closer by the end of our life, by the grace of God, if we give him our consent. So why would God reveal that some have been perfected by his grace and are in heaven with him? Right. That's a great question. One reason is that we all have way, way, way less than perfect paths. And even today, we have yet to be perfected. And we struggle second by second to to cooperate with the grace of God that he gives us. But is it impossible? No, nothing is impossible with the grace of God. Look, look at any canonized saint. Did they have perfect paths? No. A lot of times they committed wicked sins. A lot of times, even after they had encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, they committed grave sins. But by the end of their life, by the grace of God, they had grown in holiness and died in friendship with Christ. Were they perfected? If they were, it was by God's grace. And if they were, and God desires to reveal it to his church and the faithful that are in communion with his church, it could be to increase the confidence of his faithful that even if they have a wicked past, even if they've committed wild sins and they struggle not to sin, that their effort to cooperate with his grace is not in vain. And it has been done. And there's no difference between the past of a saint and that of, for example, me who has resolved to die trying to be a saint. And if I make it, it will be by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. If I become a saint, it will be by the grace of God. Okay, cool. Fulton Sheen, my intellectual hero and spiritual father. I collected all my books I have by Fulton Sheen and stacked them up next to me as a source of inspiration. For now, he's not a canonized saint. I don't know if it will happen. I pray it does. Um, I have six books by Fulton Sheen. I have two copies of one titled Three to Get Married. One copy is mine and the other is my wife's. I've read four out of the six books I have by him and the other two I've been reading on and off. 
One of the ones I haven't finished is really long. I'm told there's a shorter version, but in time, I will collect more books by him, probably till the day I die. Two weeks ago, I was confessing to you all that I don't... Um, I was confessing to you all that I don't read as much as I should. And then after Mass, um, two weeks ago, two Sundays ago, I saw a short, small, little book by Fulton Sheen, and it was only $7, so I got really excited and I bought it. I started reading it that same day, and I'm almost done. Let me check. I've read 118 pages out of 170. So even in the last couple of weeks, Fulton Sheen has gotten me to get back in the habit of reading. Okay, cool. My favorite thing about Fulton Sheen is he loves Christ and his bride, the church. I'm getting ready to nerd nerd out about him and I'm going to go off memory and some stuff might be inaccurate. So if... um. If it is that you care to correct me, please reach out and I'll correct myself in another episode. Hopefully, some of you have heard of Fulton Sheen. If not, I hope I say something that will provoke you to look into him. Uh, my favorite book he wrote was his autobiography. When I first bought it and started reading it, I couldn't put it down. I remember I would get home from work and sit on my couch and just read it until it was time for bed. And then the next day I would do the same. I finished it in a matter of days. I don't think I've ever read a book that fast. Most of what I remember about him is from that book. It's titled Treasure in Clay. If you want to read it, I think you'll like it. I don't even remember how I came to find out about Fulton Sheen, but it was after I became a Catholic and I credit him with keeping me strong in the faith. I think it had to do with Bishop Barron, who I used to watch a lot. He's a famous Catholic bishop on YouTube, and some people think he's the Fulton Sheen of our time. He's using the media of our time, like Fulton Sheen used the media of his time. But in my unprofessional armchair expert opinion, he's not the Fulton Sheen of our time. Fulton Sheen is the Fulton Sheen of our time. But because some people compare Barron and Sheen, I probably looked up Sheen. Um, I also used to listen to a lot of Catholic Answers, which is a radio show that people call with questions about Catholicism, and they, Catholic Answers, the 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 uh, guest on Catholic Answers, answered the questions. Um, at the time, the host was a guy named Patrick Coffin, who is doing his own thing right now, um, and Patrick Coffin would mention Fulton Sheen a lot, and that was probably also uh, what provoked me to look him up. So, beside liking Fulton Sheen for loving Christ and his bride, the church, I really liked that he was funny. I really like funniness and humor. I like all kinds of stuff. I like a, a little bit of dark humor, sarcasm, satire, wit, cleverness. And uh, sure, like when you, when you, if you listen to Fulton Sheen or when you listen to Fulton Sheen, Sheen he's funny like a dad is funny. But that's the point. Fulton Sheen was a dad, a spiritual dad. He took his calling of making and educating spiritual sons and daughters seriously. He was married to the church, and the church is a bride, the bride of Christ. And what is a bride? Also, the bride is also a bride is also a mother, and a mother has children. 
and the father, first of all, gives the mother children to bear and, and to create and to raise. Boom. Here I am. I'm a son of the church. And what does the father also do? Teaches the children to be obedient to their mother. Boom. Here I am again. I believe everything the church teaches. So um, in a way, uh, Fulton Sheen, because he took his role as a spiritual dad um, seriously, uh, gave me to the church and taught me to be obedient to the church. I also really liked that Fulton Sheen explained things in their simplest form to where I was able to ascend to them quickly. I actually think it was him that said that the sign of a good teacher is that they can explain things simply. And that's what he did for me. And now I want to do that too. So there's some things we have in common that I think are cool. We were both born in Illinois. He was born in El Paso, Illinois. He studied and taught philosophy, and he's one of the major reasons I study philosophy. But that doesn't make sense in both of our lives, really. I think his parents were farmers, and in his autobiography, he said that physical labor was always hard for him, and he didn't like it. But he did it because he was obedient to his parents. And he always noticed that for his brothers, it seemed uh, that they were naturally good at it. Uh, But he liked reading much better. There's a story where Fulton Sheen went to his neighbor's house with his dad, and his dad was friends with the neighbor. But the neighbor said to Fulton Sheen's dad that Sheen wasn't going to grow up and do anything with his life because he always had his nose in a book. But Fulton Sheen grew up to be, grow up, well, yeah, he he grew up to be known as America's bishop. And uh, he grew up to have a TV show, and he won an Emmy for it. He uh, he had a show called Life is Worth Living, and he made, you know, I think thousands of dollars per episode. I don't know how much, but it was in the thousands. And he used that money to build chapels and other things for the church and to teach the faith. It doesn't really make sense that I study philosophy. On my dad's side, we have a bunch of uh, mechanics, and I barely know how to put gas in my car. On my mom's side, we have, um, for the most part, a bunch of cooks, and I can barely cook Pop-Tarts. So (laughs) Uh, then there's me, right? Um, Not a mechanic, not a cook, uh, randomly, but actually providentially a philosopher wannabe. Uh, I think in general, not very many guys with a Mexican background like myself are into philosophy, but that might be in my own bubble. But even if it is in my own bubble, I break the stereotype in my bubble in that way, which is why I do my best to record these episodes in Spanish so I can get better at talking about philosophy in Spanish. And it's been pretty hard, uh, but I have confidence that I'll get better with more repetition. So far, I make myself cringe when I listen to my Spanish episodes. So it's definitely an exercise in patience for me. Okay, cool. One of my favorite stories about Fulton Sheen is this woman wanted to meet and talk with him, and she was a fallen away Catholic. She made Sheen promise he wouldn't try and ask her to go to confession, so he did. He promised her that. When they met, uh, he asked her if she wanted to see some painting or something, and she agreed. And as they were walking to it, they passed the confessional, and he pushed her in, so he kept his promise 
to her because he didn't ask her to go in. He pushed her into the confessional. Um, I think I heard from Bishop Barron, the YouTube bishop that I mentioned earlier, that Sheen read every letter Thomas Aquinas ever wrote in Latin. Thomas Aquinas is the general doctor of the church. His work is a big deal in the church. So I don't know if Sheen really did that, but he if he did, uh, he was definitely a Thomist. And I think if you listen to Fulton Sheen, there's a bunch of recordings on him. I, I have an app that has a collection of uh, his recordings. It's like it's like a it's like a very very early podcast. I, I think in that way he was ahead of his time. But a bunch of his YouTube, a bunch of his uh, Life is Worth Living episodes are on YouTube. If you listen to him talk, he's definitely a Thomas, um, if you know anything about Thomas Aquinas. So uh, he was someone very familiar with Thomas Aquinas' work. So I'm indirectly a Thomas, I would say, because I want to be familiar with Sheen's work and make anyone who will listen uh, familiar with it also so if sheen was a thomist and i read all of his books before i die i'll be a sheenist and a mini thomist maybe we'll see so i'll probably end with this uh for now because i want to create way better episodes on sheen later after i read and reread his work and um read and reread work about him and do more research but on the day of his ordination to the priesthood of Jesus Christ, Sheen made a promise to spend an hour adoring the Eucharist every day until the day he died. And by the grace of God, Sheen did it. For 60 years, every day, Sheen spent one hour a day praying before the Eucharist. Remember what I said earlier. Catholics believe the Eucharist is, substantially, Jesus Christ even if it continues to look like a mere wafer. And if it wasn't for me believing this, I would abandon Catholicism and become an atheist. If this is false, no other religion is even worth it to me. But man, reading Fulton Sheen, I can really tell he spent a lot of time in front of the Eucharist, which for Catholics is the same thing as spending a lot of time in front of Jesus Christ. He's made so many Eucharistic analogies in the little that I've read from him um, that it just it isn't really explained any other way other than he spent a lot of time in front of the Eucharist. The fact that he remained faithful to his promise of an hour a day is wild, too. Uh, one time he couldn't get inside a church and he had to pray for an hour in an alley next to the church. He knew the Eucharist was inside, and he didn't want to break his promise. I mean, uh, if anybody like walked by, it probably looked crazy or weird or strange or wild. But, I mean, who cares, right? Like, if you made a promise, you're going to do what you have to do to keep that's, that promise. And uh, that's what I want to do. I want to be faithful to my nuptial promises to my wife and kids, uh, the ones I made when I got married. When Fulton Sheen became a priest for Jesus Christ, he promised to be faithful to him and his church. And in, and in addition, he made a promise to spend time with him an hour a day, every day until the day he died. Fulton Sheen stopped caring 
about what he wanted and he focused on what the bride of Christ needed. I want to focus on what my bride needs and what my son, Chunky Butt, needs and all of our future children, what they need. Pope John Paul II uh, told Fulton Sheen that he was a loyal son of the church. There's a picture of it. Um, It's great, to say the least. And that's what I want from our Lord Jesus Christ. I want him to tell me at the end of my life, I called you to be a good, holy husband and father. And you accepted. And you promised you would. And you did it. You have been a loyal son of the church, to my church, and to the mini church I gave you, your family, your wife, and your children, which belong to me and not you. I hope that that begins to explain why Fulton Sheen is um, my intellectual hero and uh, <laughs> a spiritual father. Uh, look him up. Uh, I look forward to uh, making more episodes about him. I don't know when. Uh, whew, that was tough. Well, guys, please like and subscribe this podcast episode wherever you're listening to it or do the equivalent of liking and subscribing on whatever app you're listening to the Danny Flow podcast. Um, And thank you in advance for liking this episode. Um, And if you've liked any of my other episodes and uh, subscribing, please share it with your bestie and your fam bam and on your social media. Please follow me on Insta at Danny underscore flow, D-A-N-I underscore F-L-O. You'll hear from me again in Spanish next week. And a new topic in English will be out in two weeks. Uh, When I first started, I was posting in English on Sundays and releasing the Spanish episode before the next Sunday approached. But now, every other Monday is a new English episode. And every other Monday is the translated episode in Spanish. So next week will be this episode translated in Spanish. So a new episode will be out for your listening pleasure December 22nd, the week of Christmas or how my wife pronounces it, Crima. If you're like me, you probably listen to podcasts in your car while you commute to wherever you need to commute. So I hope it feels like I'm sitting next to you and teaching you something interesting. Think about what I said. Be critical with my ideas. Be critical with your own. Reflect, and I'll see you back here next, next Monday. I hope you enjoyed it, my dear and beloved Danny Flowist. And remember what Bishop Sheen said, your life is worth living. Love you guys. Bye.